Hello to all you survivors out there in the wasteland. We're transmitting from our hermetically sealed bunker beneath the nation's capital, and thank you for joining us on whatever scavenge receiver you've got going today. I'm Evan May, author of The King in Darkness and Bonhomme Satter. And I'm Brandon Crilly, Ottawa-based author of science fiction and fantasy. Our cozy little bunker is keeping us safe from the world outside, but we also have a lot of time on our hands as we wait for the radiation levels to decline to survivable levels, so we've decided to pass the time by sharing stories. Instead of a campfire, we have the peaceful hum of fluorescent lighting, and instead of the wind in the trees, we have the soothing click of the Geiger counter. We'll be talking about the stories we love from the world of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, as well as the tales that come from the creation of stories and the creation of art in general. Today, we've invited two of our fellow survivors to share their own ideas, experiences, and interests with us. Here's who will be joining us in the bunker today. My name is Derek Kunskin. I'm a Gatineau area writer of science fiction, and I've been into a whole lot of bordellos in Bogota. I am Kelly Robson. I live in Toronto with my beautiful wife, Alex. We are both science fiction writers. Uh, I am the author of God's Monsters and the Lucky Peach, and I am a former rodeo princess. We're both really looking forward to our conversation today and just as excited that we get to share it with you. Gather around, survivors, and welcome to Broadcasts from the Wasteland. trying to do with this who's your listener <laughs> we could, we've already had this conversation this is, i've gone back and forth via email and and this is and my neurosis it is your neurosis uh-huh. it, it, really is, it is quite literally I just like saying the word it is it is it is uh, creative people sitting around shooting the shit and the yeah. audience happens to be eavesdropping yeah when yeah. does it start i started recording five minutes ago oh really yeah. Fantastic. God, now I feel like an idiot. No, because what's going to no, don't because what's going to end up happening is because no, because what I think will end up happening is when we do the edit, uh, we'll cut out the first like three or four or ten minutes, and and we're just going to fade in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I'll just, speak into this. You just took out the recorder. You plugged it. It was never plugged in. Yes, it was. We it was just it sitting in. there. Put the thing back in. It wasn't in when I got there. Jesus oh, really? Christ. This is exactly how we drew off the first podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah, you drew the first one. I have my, oh, no. my friend, the crazy Aaron thinking putty. I talk and think best when I'm moving my hands. Really? This is my special friend. That's cool. Yeah. And it's crazy who? It's crazy Aaron's thinking putty. Thinking. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of crazy Ivan and then you do. Yeah. Oh, it's like, um, it's, it's, it's like Play-Doh. <laughs> yeah. yeah or, or, or like Silly Putty. When silly I was Putty. Kid. Exactly. But it's adult Silly Putty. That's awesome. And it's actually quite expensive. <laughs> give it back. But give it back. <laughs> no, 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 I feel like I shouldn't be handling it you know, anymore. You know what I mean. Because of the gold flakes. Oh, I see. It's imbued with rare metals. I'm, I'm sure it is. Wait, so, so the it, idea is, so like, it helps you focus, or is it... It helps me focus, it helps me think. So I always have it cool. around when I'm writing. Do you do anything like that? No. Okay. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's my, what I figured. But yeah. there's the cat. There's uh, the cat. Josh Ross cat. But no, you've, seen, your you've seen my place. It's like, there's nothing on the walls except what my mother put up, and uh, that was <laughs> ten years ago. That's a good point. That didn't actually dawn on me. Yeah, wow. there's nothing on the wall except what my mother put up and then I got a best dad of the world uh, thing that Joshua gave me in grade two. And I put that up. Okay. Cause I mean, that's about sure. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you should have your, your book cover up. You should have a framed cover of your book up. On yeah. The 
Or is Obviously. That, or is that too ostentatious? I don't know. I, you just my, got really my house is just blank. No, yeah, you, just, you started to like. Yeah. I, hang on, where's my wine? <laughs> <laughs> you just totally closed right up because. Yeah. Yeah, that was. You're I, but, looking scared right now. It's maybe I'm afraid of interior decorating. Maybe that's well, the other fear I've got in addition to being scared of heights. I, understand. I have two kryptonites. Right. Everybody else is walking fear around with one, and, and now I've got two, and now yeah. the whole world has learned it. Yeah. yeah, the five people who listen to this have learned it. <laughs> 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 well, like, let's be honest. So, yes, I could do that, but it would take me away from writing. I always feel like any other thing I could do is taking me away from writing. So You do listen to music when you're writing, though. I know this to be true. Yes. Is that is that always, or is that, I don't know, just when I'm around? It's a white noise generator. Okay. So when I'm at home by myself, I don't listen to music okay. much. So when you really, you, you just want to cut off. Yeah. Okay. I listen to white noise too when I'm writing. Okay. Yeah. Um, My white noise has lyrics. Oh, yours has lyrics. No, I, I'm <laughs> That's not literal. listening to, to white noise on my uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It just helps me focus a little bit. I don't generally have focus problems, but it, I just find that it really puts me in the zone. So. Brandon listens to Bat Out of Hell over and over and yeah. over while he's Seriously? writing. And I'm like, how can you not change music? And like two years later, he's still, still listening to the same well, album. Well, it's very autocratic, right? It's very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Although I've changed recently. I, I have a YouTube playlist now um, that's all like live classic rock, but it's like 40 songs and it's just on so my mixed meatloaf tape <laughs> basically yeah so, yeah there's a little bit of meatloaf in there but it's like springsteen and uh what the hell else um i don't know why i'm looking at you but you don't know i have no idea what's on your uh, youtube channel. um give me some classic rock artists why am i blanking on what's on my playlist? rush so eric clapton yeah yeah clapton is on there uh sticks nope sticks no uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for double checking yeah. um who else uh uh Dolls is the on eagles. there eagles for sure is on there john fogarty is on there but a, a lot of it is like no know, sticks no, i was never a big sticks fan. but it, it's a lot of like like it's it's a springsteen but he's doing a concert and he brings john, john fogarty out on stage like it's mm. a lot of like musicians playing around and and where you can they're really like having fun and then you can tell they love what they're doing they're just kind of jamming and and so it, it's that kind of performance. But basically, you're creating a, a familiar environment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah, same basically. as the white noise, essentially. Right? Absolutely. Like you're Pretty much, yeah. This is the environment that I can work in. Yeah, well, that's why I can, I can only write, say, at Bridgehead or here or at Derek's. Like, like, in terms of actually getting stuff done, there's very, very specific places that I can go to. I can't just write anywhere, mm. which is really not conducive. You yeah, you have to change. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot of our conversations is just Derek giving me a, giving me very stern advice <laughs> about, about changing about changing um, everything about my life. Yeah, maybe if you have like if you have that that home sense, we've got the music that you're used to. Mm. We could just carry that with you to wherever, right? Yeah, that would make sense. You could. Yeah, I could not listen to classic rock while I was like anything really? that I know the words to. Like you start singing. Um, I yeah, it, it would just block me. Like it would, uh, it would the tune. I'd be listening to the words and anticipating yeah, the next yeah. words. However, I can write to the new pornographers. Really, because their lyrics are completely impenetrable. Okay. <laughs> Is it their enunciation or their no, lyrics? No, you can hear like, every word, one word but the after lyrics, the other makes the no sense. The lyrics do not mean anything. They okay. do not add up to. Is anything. it like a word salad? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. It's like really obscure poetry. All right. Like yeah, and it, and no, none of their songs ever mean anything. And it's fantastic. It's great music. So anyway, see, this is all the podcast is, Derek. It's it's just, just sitting we're just talking. Yeah, we're sitting around shooting the shit. 
very no like we would do anyway. More wine, more wine. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel, like, feel the nervousness radiating off of him. How do you feel about your cover? I love it. It's a great cover. It is a great cover. Um, I've been told that the book cover's job is to make people pick up the book and look yeah. at it. Yeah. And I feel it does. Yeah. So I'm super happy. Um, I was super jealous that you got the, the raised print and the gold mm. foil. You know? Yeah. So that's that means they spent more in your cover. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, no, you're right. So when I went to Worldcon, um, the publicist and the publisher were there and they're like Derek, are you ready? Look at this. And they showed me the shiny and they were touching it just the way you yes, just did. Yes, yes. And I have no experience in publishing. This is completely oh, my so first rodeo. Know. And I'm like, yes, yes it's, it's, nice. it's, it's it, like a book cover. It, no, it's a beautiful cover. But the yeah. thing is, I like they were like, and then they were smelling the inside. And I was like, oh, wow, you guys really love books. This is the right people to have on the team. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, I had never approached books in that way because I had never had a lot of money when I was a kid. So I always bought books secondhand. Right. So, you know, whichever so format you can get it in is is the the one you're buying. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm rubbing the book between my two hands, um, showing how flexible the binding is. Like that is beautiful. Is that I, I does that mean something? I don't yeah, know. that means something. It means that um it's it's nicely bound, it's well bound, it's not stiff, right? Okay. Like some books, like I don't think you'll be able to do that to mine. Yeah, so mine's more stiff. Oh, interesting. Look at the cheese. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And the and the the raised print, raised yeah. print is one thing, but then raised print and foil. Yeah, I'm super happy too. With uh, I got a couple of nice blurbs that are cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Had you noticed that? Like we got a copy here of Nine Fox Gambit. Mm -hmm. That's that, a great book. We did, but no raised print, no gold foil. No, I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I had not noticed that because I listened to everything in audio. Oh yeah, that's right. Which I still I don't understand how you do that. I realize it's all like it, <laughs> I came out wrong. I realize that it's all entirely subjective and one's personal preference. I'm just saying I can't do. It. Um, again, it comes back to my: Do I have time for this, or should I be committing this time to writing? And mm -hmm. so, when my ex and I split up about ten years ago or mm -hmm. twelve years ago, um, I had to decide what do I want for the rest of right. what I had thought was a sort of life, and yeah. I said, well, I want to be a successful writer. I want to be a great dad and I want to be good at my job. And yeah, bam, it's those three things. And so anything that wasn't those three things, I've, you know, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of sliced out. Right. And, but within writing, you have writing or reading and reading helps you be a better writer. And yet I never felt like I was, mm -hmm. um, I, well, I never felt like I was reading enough, but also when I was reading, I felt like I ought to have been writing. Like I felt like I was ready to write more. Okay. And so audio is where I reclaimed time from all my commutes, all my transport, right, you know, okay. brushing teeth, doing dishes, reclaimed all that time. That's interesting. Yeah. So I remember, I want to ask you something. And um, Now's the time. Right? <laughs> recording. <laughs> we have friends around. Have more wine. Perfect. Done. I will do that. Um, yes, please. <laughs> done. Because um, I remember you telling me that about, um, like, job and, and your son and, and writing. And I remember you explaining it to me. Basically, you only had you felt like you only had so much bandwidth. If I, I might be misquoting you a little bit, but basically, you knew you could do those time three. in the day. Maybe, but sure. but that but that you knew you could do those three things well if you could, if you focused yourself on that. But you didn't think you could do any more than that. Um, like in terms of big things, and, and, thing I, is, and you mentioned it as, as specifically as after you and your wife had split up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Be, well, because before we had split up, I thought you know my life was going in one direction, yeah. and then. 
after that stopped, then I realized, oh, well, I have to think up a new direction. And right, okay. So the thing is, um, I had to also assess, you know, what I'd been doing in my 20s and my mid-30s and mm. trying to figure stuff out. But um, there's no amount of time that you can spend on writing that will ever feel like it's enough. And there's no amount of time you can spend with your son that will ever feel like it's enough. Therefore, right away, you've got two things that could, in theory, fill up all of your bandwidth, and you still have to go to work to pay your mortgage. So the thing is, that was my problem. I had one thing which I could define in time, and I had two things which would grow to occupy whatever container I put them in. Mm. Me think like scientists. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the writing doesn't require you to give things up, right? Because Absolutely. You have to, I mean, this is, you know, there's, I don't want to advocate for any kind of orthodoxy. Thou shalt write this way. I love orthodoxy. Do you, do you love this yeah, orthodoxy? Yeah, we'll start it right now. But, but, but generally, you know, you have to write more days than you don't write. Right, yeah. Um, and for me, generally, that's six days a week. Mm. I, can't, I should not write more than six days a week because I get really, like, mentally tired. Oh, okay. So, um, it, so I am writing, I write when I get home from work. And that means that I'm not seeing my friends. Mm -hmm. I'm not spending time with Alex, my wife. I'm not uh, doing any hobbies. I'm certainly not playing any video games. I miss oh, video games so you. much. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. Video games are not very good. You're Don't not missing my... Stop talking. <laughs> no, I'm helping. I'm no, helping. you're not. See, I got rid of so, video games in the 90s. You're missing out, man. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, don't really tell me that. Are. I'll cover my ears. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you give up, you give up time, mm -hmm. but it's, it's so enjoyable, yeah. right? It's so enjoyable and it's so, en it's enjoyable even when it's not going well, because when it clicks in like it did for me this week, cause I've been on writing retreat here in Ottawa for right. last week. Um, oh man, you just, just feel like I'm freaking nailing it. Fist pump. And that feeling and happens more and more often yeah. as you get better. Yeah. Yeah. Year by year, mm -hmm. it's easier. About five or six years ago, I realized I probably enjoy writing. Before that, I wasn't sure. Right. Even though I was writing all that time, yeah. it, I really noticed enjoyment, um, yeah, around 2012. See, and I probably enjoyed myself through all the way back to 2010 or 2008, but I just hadn't consciously realized this is something I enjoy. See, it wouldn't surprise me if you were to say that, that you didn't enjoy writing. Okay. Only some writers don't. Yeah, exactly. And they, like, I it, it would not surprise me simply because maybe it's because of the way like you're very mercenary about how you do your your writing, and that's that's not the insult. It, like, it, it, it's really not. If anybody gives me money, <laughs> no, but that's it. Right? Like, and, and so it, it it wouldn't surprise me if you said, well, no, I'm I'm doing it for you know this award or this paycheck or what, and there doesn't need to be any enjoyment in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad that there is, but I'm just oh, saying yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if you told me that, that it wasn't there. Oh, I mean, if you go all, like, if you rewind the tape all the way back, um, I think I, so I was in French immersion, even though I spoke English at home. How far back were you going here? Are you, like, five? Uh, no, uh, I was about to say that we took our first English classes when I was in grade two. Okay. And we had an hour a day. And so that's when I learned how to spell in English. And that was when I first started writing down my first things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember being in grade two or three and writing a story about a policeman and then going into the kitchen every so often and going to ask my German grandmother, how do you spell 
walked. Is it with a T or an ED? And she would tell me it's with an ED. And just, you know, so so okay. as, as soon as I could write in English, um, I started writing full stop. And there was no, I have no idea why. It just, I just started. That's funny. Can what about, yeah, when did you start writing? Um, well, I wrote my first book in grade five. There you go. So I was 10. Okay. Um, and it is really, um, it is called Born Wild. It is a, a horse book because horse, horse books were the thing. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have YA, right? This was the 70s. We did okay. not have, YA was not a thing. There are horses in Alberta. But but there were children's books and there were horse books. Yeah, okay. that was and, like a genre. Yeah, it was yeah. a whole genre. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Is that like Black Beauty? Yeah. 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 So but Black Beauty, yeah. uh, The Black this, Stallion, um, you know, Misty of Kitchen Tea, all these wonderful horse That's books. Awesome. And there were books about about uh, girls doing show jumping and, you know, like oh, okay. fl- My Friend Flicka and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, horse okay. books were the thing. I'm glad you're nodding along, because yeah. I have no I idea. I remember this. Very, okay. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 I remember seeing all these in those uh, book club things that they would send home with the parents where you could order books. <gasps> well, yeah, you could oh, check yeah, out we the books you were going to yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, the horse books, yeah. It was like, yeah. I, I had such a terrible like young child tragedy with with the scholastic orders because my parents would not let me order books no you cannot order books you have enough books and i was a passionate like crazy reader so they thought i had enough books i probably had eight books (laughs) right that is not enough book no that's reading two books a day on the weekend and one book a day wow yeah no so my parents were really freaking weird about it that is really weird yeah so i grew up um like hoarding like literally hoarding books hoarding books and 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 i i stole books from the library seriously i would, I would bring them back eventually. <laughs> so you but, borrowed them without a library those, card is what yes, you're saying but because they would only let you take so many right and and then i would already have books out but i want more books but i wouldn't bring those books back but i realized that if you if you held the library book and this is you know old tech but still, they have the, the things that you pass through, the yeah. magnetic, whatever. But if you hold it horizontally as you go through, it's not a big enough area for them to uh, to to register. Ooh. So this is how you sneak books out of the library in the 70s and early 80s, <laughs> is horizontally. You hold them like this as you're walking through, and no problem. I feel I've learned something today. all the books today. you want out, yes. This you, is you can thing. work this into your yeah. next uh, heist caper or yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so me and books... Uh, Gimme, 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 gimme. And to this day, you know, I can't even go into a library anymore because they kick me out. No. <laughs> <laughs> your, your photo is up. It's like being My ejected photo, from a bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wanted. I, no, that, I, that overriding avarice for books yes. didn't hit me until comic books. And oh. then it hit me. Okay. What was your, um, what was your book? What was your comic book? Was it Batman? Uh, no, my mom brought me back four comic books uh, when I was 10, I think. So it would have been like 1981. And um, one was Uncanny X-Men. One was Doctor Strange. One was Fantastic Four. And the one was Micronauts. And I liked all of them except Fantastic Four. Well, yeah. <laughs> like just this Paul settles over the, yeah. <laughs> the entire yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. Reed Richards. <laughs> what an asshole! Sorry. Is he an asshole in the comics? I've never in the comic. I've, I've never no, read a lot of fantastic patriarchal. Fuck. I mean, I always found him kind of insufferable. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those kind of know-it-all, always knows best. Like, oh. Yeah, I just found the Fantastic Four in general not very interesting. 
like there, there are four of them. They don't have secret identities. They're I wasn't there. I was I was about the X Men, the outsider kids, the uh, the ones that didn't fit in. Um, I was also into Doctor Strange because it was the weird sort of existential, spooky world. And Hank McCoy was great. Beast. Was oh great. yes, yeah. he was the best character. No, he, he was an X Men, wasn't he? Was he in the Fantastic Are you thinking Four of the thing? Maybe thinking of the thing. Thinking of the orange rocky yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm mixing up my. Uh, Having not read any of the comics, I can't. Anyway, he could have been a fantastic. You haven't read any of those comics. Good no, I, I grew up watching um, one of what I'm sure was several X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons yeah. in, in the mid-90s. And then and then the X-Men movies. And then the first one with Hugh Jackman. And then it's just movies. Around. And you're probably young enough that there's like a different accessibility level. Because like when I was when I was young, like you got comics by going to the variety store. Yeah. And one of those metal racks that spins around. Yeah, yeah, and that's where you got And they were relatively also. cheap. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah, now, twenty five cents. Yeah, yeah. Whereas well, now, they're, like, yeah. you gotta go to a specialty. Oh yeah, comic yeah, you can yeah. get them at the Yeah, and they're yeah. expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, yeah, I was able to convince my parents to buy them because like we were at the grocery store and comics. So, uh, yeah, the and store were buying some right, comics. Right, right. I went to a lot of secondhand stores for comics too. Yeah. But I mean, when I started, they were the price tag was fifty cents. Um, and then it went up to 60 after I'd been collecting for about six yeah. months. I, I, I remember, and this was towards the end of my comic collecting career, I remember being horrified when they crested up to a dollar. Yeah. Like, I, I, man, this is, this is tough. Yeah. So, exactly, there's a huge accessibility difference. I mean, it's definitely different now, right? Like yeah. You have, to, you have to go to the specialty shop. and Yeah. Right. It's got to be harder for kids. Although well, I'm switching to digital it. with and that. We were... Just talking about that and the way up is my niece, you know, has no sense of comic books whatsoever because she can't, she, you know, they're, they're not for people her age anymore, comic books. Oh, I see what you're saying. Which age? So, so, uh, so she's 13, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, was exactly so, the age where. Yeah. Right. The, so well, she's not interested in going to any of the um, Marvel movies because that's, it's not for her. Yeah. One of the things I've seen, at least in Marvel um, and in a few other publishers, is they're diversifying and they're really overtly branding and marketing now a YA selection, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that makes me wary of, like, uh, there's a a number of Marvel titles, for example, that I don't read just because they're YA and I'm not really a YA reader. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what? Squirrel Girl, for example. There's some the, the... the new Ms. The something Marvel. wasp Miss yeah. Marvel is is, is uh, overtly targeting yeah. you know teens um, mm. yeah very much so like just check out your local library there's tons of them I can't remember ever seeing a comic book and anything other than specialty store my earliest memory of seeing a comic book was in it was conspiracy comics back home oh, and, and it was like it was trading cards and it was like like Pokemon cards when I was a kid that they were that was when they first got big and then and comic books and uh, like. Game Boy, and, and it was all in one spot. I, I don't think I could store. find comics in corner stores after 1990 okay. or well, 1990, okay. maybe 92, 93, but I mean, like much Archie comics. I've never seen Archie comics, but Archie has different distribution. Oh, that was so they're in the Walmarts, they're in the grocery yeah, yeah, stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a whole chain, like, uh, much like what happened in science fiction. I mean, um. Apparently, the reason pulps and, you know, magazines like Asimov's mm-hmm. and Fantasy and SF and stuff like that were able to be in every corner store was there used to be a couple of train hubs 
in the U.S. and in mm-hmm. Canada, and everything was distributed relatively cheaply through these huge train hubs. Okay. And then at some point in the 50s or 60s, right. land developers bought those that cheap land because okay. it was all just trains there. Mm-hmm. And they built up huge high-rises, and then that made them a lot of money, but it destroyed the, the sort of um, pulp distribution system mm-hmm. because they couldn't afford to send pulp like many things through. And so that's yeah. when your readership of things like Asimov and analog and comic books dropped from, you know, the high hundred thousands to, you know, your, because in world war two, Superman and Batman were circulating above a million a month. Jesus. Um, yeah. And, and same thing with, you know, wherever Edgar Rice Burroughs had his stuff in the 1912, 19 teens. Right. Okay. All of that was first in magazines and then later on in book forums. And all of that was distributed everywhere and circulating a million, million and a half copies. Mm -hmm. Wow. I used to get my Asimov magazines at the drugstore. Oh, really? In the, in the, um, so I started reading Asimov's in 83 and that was wonderful. Wow. Um, I would go in every, you know, like hoping I, because of course, you know, I didn't realize, I, I knew they came out every month, but you don't know. You yeah. Know, when exactly that month they're going to come out? So I'd always come yeah. in and and look for them and and be so joyful when I found them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. That was my formative moment as a writer. Was oh, reading really? Asimov's in uh, 83, 84, 85 into the 90s. That was pre Dozois, right? That was under that Sean, was McCarthy. Sean McCarthy. Yeah. Sean McCarthy and then Dozois. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so formative. All those. So, reading Connie Willis and Michael's, mm. Michael's, I guess Michael Swan was a little bit later, but, um, and Jim Kelly. And um, my first taste of Tip Tree was through Asimov's. Okay. Mm. And uh, Octavia Butler <coughs> just blew my mind. Wow. You know? so when you say formative, you mean like? Formative, like formative as as a thinking human being. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, as a as a sixteen, seventeen, eight year old kid, wow. uh, getting hit between the eyes with with contemporary short science fiction. I would guess yeah. that is formative too as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because I read all the wrong stuff. Like, there's not a single thing I read right till I was about thirty. Really? Yeah, because comic books is no training ground whatsoever for short fiction mm. or for novels. Mm. The novels I did read were um, Edgar Rice Burroughs was some of my main staple for a long time. And those were originally serial and they, yeah. And so the plot was all over the place and, you know, things just sort of magically came together at the end. And then I didn't read short fiction until I had failed with novels by 30. I had failed with two. And then I said, well, now I've got to learn try something different. Learn short fiction. Yeah. So I ended up starting to read short fiction when I was about 31. That's when I started subscribing to Analog and as a mm. Who was your first favorite author? Either Connie Willis. Connie Willis. Well, I mean, in in that context, yeah. Connie yeah, I was thinking about this the other day again. Yeah. I, like, there was a period where I liked individual books, but I hadn't, like, get started. Like, I like this person's writing specifically, mm-hmm. and I will seek them out. Connie Willis for you. What about you, Jim? So I had two that both started around grade five, grade six. So one was Edgar Rice Burroughs, and I discovered him because I picked up in the secondhand shop uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, comic books from Marvel. And you know how they have that little asterisk in the captions where they're like, this happened in last issue. 
But in this case, it said Princess of Mars, Edgar Rice Burroughs. And I'm like, what on earth are they talking about? And so then I went to a bookstore and found it, and I bought the first one, and then I was hooked. Um, the second one was uh, Catherine Kurtz, who writes the Dorini series, um, amazing stuff. And I discovered that through Dragon Magazine, number 78, mm. because they had the psionics in there. And then they're like, these are the Dorini written by Catherine Kurtz. And I'm like, oh my God, this sounds so cool. They're all psychics. And then I looked up and I got all of her books in grade seven um, and then just kept on reading. So those, those two really were my first, and they were almost my only ones up until late high school when I finally started reading um, robots and uh, foundation and mm. then a few other things. I didn't get to Tolkien until grade 12 or 13. Yeah. What about you? My first favorite author was William Gibson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like well, I, sophisticated. I, yeah. I, I read lots of stuff before then, but it had always been like, I like this book and I hadn't really thought about the writing. And yeah, Neuromancer was the first book that I was really reading. And I was just like, the writing here is really cool. Wow. And yeah. Um, without getting too much into my stuff, like, yeah, I had this ill fated period where I very badly wanted to be William Gibson and write like <laughs> William Gibson. So somewhere there are loads of really terrible attempts at cyberpunk stories. That's not That's, bad. There's n- <laughs> nothing to be embarrassed yeah, about. You could, you could do worse than trying to emulate William Gibson. Well, it, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, not not my voice at all, but that was mm-hmm. the first time that I really remember thinking, yeah, I love the way this person writes. Yeah. And it's not... And the way they're thinking of the things that they're interested in. Yeah. The topics yeah. that they're delving into. Yeah. 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 What about you, Brandon? What was your first? Favorite author? Probably, and I'm a little embarrassed to say it because she's not on my list anymore. More embarrassment. Go. Um, probably J.K. Rowling would be my first. Okay, fair enough. Sarah Potter's That's book, legit. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm less so now, which we can unpack if we want. No, no, but I... Figure. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but, and then, but then Asimov after that. Because like, I read... Oh, uh, Isaac? Yeah. Because okay. I read Foundation when I was in the 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then just... Uh, science fiction. Yeah, yeah, science fiction. It was funny. I read, it was mostly science fiction for a couple of years, and then I jumped onto fantasy, and, it was, and, and that's that's my true love. I think is fantasy, yeah. uh, which probably explains why J.K. Rowling was my first like. But there's your a home genre. But yes. there's a lot to learn from J.K. Rowling. She sure. like her plotting, yeah. some mm-hmm. of her character work, but especially the plotting, I think, is super tight in her first three or four first three books. Yeah, I mean. Like when I do a Chekhov's gun analysis of her first three books, I don't find a lot of fat in those. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and that's something that taught me things about writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you think that doesn't carry through the others, you don't think? Or did you stop reading it through? Uh, I think that all writers, as they become super famous, um, become harder to edit and they're less because having something short mm. takes more work than having something long. Yes. And I remember reading and like, I was a naive writer. I was already a novelist for three years by the time I was 18. Okay. But I read, I think it was the fourth robot book or the fourth foundation book or okay. the fifth foundation book. And there's still a note in my copy, which says, wow, he is really writing a lot of, extra words here and, <laughs> and, and that was me as an 18 year old with not very discriminating taste yet and and, and, and and he had actually said in i think it was the fifth book um he said in the foreword 
that he was not going to write another foundation book, but somebody had backed up a truckload of money essentially. And <laughs> that's why he wrote it. Oh my God. And it, you can really, t- and the same thing. I mean, JK Rowling's book seven, you could yeah. basically take the first half and shrink it to what? 10 pages. Probably and It'd not. be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and, and so this is one thing I say to Kim may don't ever let me be like right. that. If it ever yes. looks like I'm getting, you know, prima, prima donna, yeah. um, please tell me I'm being a prima donna and, Tell me to go back and edit this. Do you think that happens to most authors, though? Do you think that... Well, not authors... most. Only the ones that are really successful. But that's what I mean. Like, like, if you look at like most really su- successful authors, do they all reach that period where there's less editing? And they, I don't know. Like, able to get away with more in that area? Or... And if somebody's telling you, oh, your books are so great, yeah. and they sell that's, millions yeah. and millions and millions, I mean, you a... maybe you lose the sense of what's yeah. fat in your writing. That's what I'm wondering about. Maybe? I don't know. And I'm going through that right now a bit because I always on my short fiction tried to go denser and denser and denser. And then once I wrote a novella for Asimov's and it got published and several of the comments were, wow, this is really dense, like in a negative way. And then Mm -hmm. I tried to let my work breathe a little more. And part of that is basically just turning off a bit that dial on cut everything, cut everything, cut everything, cut every was, cut every were, cut every... Passive, right? Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with a novel, with a longer work, you do want to let it breathe a little bit more, right? You want, yeah, to let people have a bit of a break. Yeah, yeah. But then, where's that? Where is that, that line? line? Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully, your editor will have a good sense of that, but unless they're unless I mean, I unless they're it's too acceptable afraid to say it or, or, or they don't care to or say it's already it or, acceptable. Yeah, you know. Um, right. Yes, and will spending another six months on that but get you more money? No, it won't. Exactly. No, exactly. Especially when the audience is, you know, waiting. banging their fists waiting for the next yeah. James Patterson or the next... Uh, so let us all hope that we will all be in that position. Yes, yeah. Well, of yeah. having to make those... <laughs> yeah. make those. In, in five years. In X numbers of years. Yeah. Um, five years would be fine. Yeah. But this was 50,000 words um, in first draft. And what is and it? And it's 40. It's did you just, just sniff it? 40. What did I do? Did you just sniff I, it as I, you spoke? I... I I don't think I sniffed it, but I put it on my nose. Okay. okay. I don't think I breathed in, <laughs> All right. but I think I might have spritched myself. I am very happy that I took um, the copies of your books off my shelf. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I had no well, idea what that know, would result in. I, 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 yeah, a little bit of sniffing. What did you cut? Um, I cut I cut, uh, I, I, I cut a lot from the end. Oh, okay. The ending had to be a lot more tight. And there's uh, one scene in the middle which was just way, way too freaking long. And then I just, you know, I was ruthless. And I just... Okay. Word by word. Word by word. Yeah. Just cut, 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 cut. That's like the um, urban warfare of, of, of uh, writing. Yeah. And I actually really, like, I love editing. Oh, yeah. Me yeah. too. I love cutting words. So, so it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting because the ending is very, it's very abrupt. It is. But it, it, it is, especially if you're reading for plot, it's right. abrupt. Yeah. If you're reading for character, it's not. No, for sure. Um, so Jim Keller, I was reading this at uh, ICFA, which is the International Conference of the Fantastic and the Arts mm. in Orlando. And I was reading this and Jim Kelly, uh, James Patrick Kelly was in the audience. I was reading it and I'm like, this is a novella, etc. And I read from it and it was all fine. He seemed to be enjoying it. And he said, you know, what makes this a novella? What makes it different from a, a novel? Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's short fiction. It's not a novel. It's one character's story, and mm. it's very tight on one character, and her change is the focus. 
And I don't think that that is nece- that is in it. It's very focused on that, and that's why it's a novella instead of a novel. Um, is that it's Min's story, and the, the ending does feel abrupt if you're just reading for plot to find out what happens next. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're reading for character, there's it's not quite as abrupt. I don't think. Did you know that when you were starting out? Yeah, pro- yeah, it. yeah. It. So yeah. you knew right from the beginning there's going to be a short, yeah, shortish. Yeah, I, I I pretty much got what I aimed to do. Yeah, that's always a good thing. I have a, <laughs> I, I have a sense of length too before I start. Like I have a general sense. Like if I have an idea, I think about it. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a novelette, or this is going to be a novel, or this is going to be a novella. Like with every single one, do you ever have to tease an idea out and kind of see what happens? Or uh, well, no, no. But I mean, I've been trying to write for a long time. Right. So right. the thing is, I I have a sense now of of what I think yeah. the amount of stuff you need. For like when I put the stuff there, I look at it and I eyeball it and I say, ah, it's about a novelette. That'll right, be right. When, you, when you say the stuff, yeah, describe the nature of this stuff. How much planning do you do before you start writing? Do you have the whole thing? We uh, do you want the pile of stuff? Oh, yeah. So the pile of stuff is the characters, the setting, the general conflict. Okay. That's the pile. But that's different from putting it in order and how am I, you know, how am I going to spoon this out? And so you do all that before you start writing? Uh, yeah, we were talking in the car on the way here that I pretty much do an ending in denouement and then flesh out, let's say a sentence per scene for the first two thirds. Okay. Okay. What about you, Kelly? I have a beginning, middle and an end and a couple of stops along the way. So I know where I'm headed generally. And I know the few emotional points or plot points that I want to hit. And Mm -hmm. I trust that, in the writing, in the drafting, that I will logically get from one point to the next with some dramatic interest. That's what I do. Did it, I love it. like you say that you trust that you're going to get there. Yeah. Did you, like, I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, did, did you always trust that you were going to get there? Like, do you, I don't you know, I know what I mean, but yeah, um, yeah. Friday night, when, when, I was, when I was first, when I was first learning to write, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so my first, my first trunk novel is Romeo and Juliet. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like verbatim? Uh, no, no, no. Copyright infringement? Not verbatim at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's Romeo and Juliet told from the perspective of uh, two other characters. Oh, okay. Who are kind of in there with them and their their story is going on adjacent to them but basically the Romeo and Juliet story is the B story. Oh. Um so set set in in Verona in 1302. So I had that I knew the the Romeo and Juliet basic progression of events not a b c d e f g but you know a d f yeah 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 that sort of thing uh to get to. So and that seemed to work really well. Okay. That's interesting because, like, my first attempt at at writing, and I will freely admit now that I was awful when I was a child, um, was it, writing something set in Hogwarts. Oh yeah. But it was like if you were to go back and look at it now, and I'm thankful that no copies of it exist. Um, I I might as well have played Dresden directly with J.K. Rowling, but it was it was playing with structure and plot and then just replacing a few characters and changing some stuff around. But it was because it was familiar. I tell people if they don't, if they're having trouble you know, learning how to write, yeah. write fanfic, write it by all means do. Yeah. Fanfic teaches you a lot of good skills. Absolutely. It, but it gets shit on all the time. It does. Uh, there's a lot of people who are boosting it though. Really? And there, there are yeah. a lot of writers who will admit that they started mm-hmm. out. Naomi Novik, for example, okay. um, started out with fanfic. Interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. To me, like 
I haven't seen as much of that. To me, it's still the yeah that fan no, no, fiction is deriving. Big, I didn't realize that it, big big people who are still writing fanfic now okay. under other names, and they'll say so on their Twitter every Seriously? so often. They'll be like, "Yeah, yeah." I, like who who is doing this that I'm not aware? Uh, uh, I can't remember Madeline the name. Ashby. Seriously, uh, Gemma Files. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Big big. That's cool. People. Yeah, it's it's fun. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, the most enjoyable, I still love, because I wrote um, a Bond story. Yes. Right? For, for License Expired. Yeah, which I didn't realize artist. until two days ago when I was doing a little bit of research. Did you read it? I, well, no, I just, I was looking up There's your bio. There's a lot of sex in it. Then I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a copy on you right now? <laughs> I don't, but I can email you the... Uh, Perfect. The manuscript. <laughs> it's, I loved writing a Bond story. Good, see, I wanted I to ask you about this. So, so is this fanfic, or is this like... You're writing a licensed property, basically. Uh, There's a bit of a difference a because bit. you're. No, it's fucking fanfic. <laughs> yeah. It it awesome. is. I'm I'm writing from uh, the perspective. Uh, so it's um, it's an alternate ending to From Russia with Love. Oh, okay. Uh, it is uh um the the two main female characters. Wait, From Russia with Love is such an interesting book. See, it is. It's fascinating yeah. book. It's, yeah. It's bizarre. Like, the first third of the book is not Bond. Like, Bond doesn't come into it until, like, a third of the way through. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, Rosa, Rosa. Yeah, it's Rosa Klebb. Rosa Klebb. Yeah. And, 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 and Na- the, Natasha. Uh, Romanov. Romanov. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, and I'm blanking yeah. on the name of the, the, the assassin that they train to come and take up. Yeah. Uh, Bond. Yeah. yeah it's it's a, just as fascinating. And then the ending is yeah, weird. It's it's a Reichenbach Falls ending. Yeah. Oh. Well, it, I mean, yeah. it ends apparently with Bond dying. Yeah. And in Rosa one of the Club, other, Rosa Klebb poisons him. Yeah. Oh my she, gosh. She like kicks him with a poisoned blade in her shoe. Yes. Yeah. And and because um, Ian Fleming wanted, he was kind of feeling like he didn't want to write any more Bond. Like he was sick of it. Okay, I must have the sequence out of order in my head because I thought From Russia with Love was the first Bond. No. No. Casino no. Royale is the first. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So From Russia with Love is the last one. one. Um, yeah, what's after Casino Royale? So no, you yeah. were born when A View to a Kill was coming out, and Grace Jones was doing the Bond thing. See, I don't even remember that. My, my and, and Grace Jones was the Bond girl in that movie, wasn't well, she? Well, kind of. Well, she was no, no, one no. of one of. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, she was one of. She was. Yeah. One of, yeah but I'm just trying to put things in perspective. No, <laughs> but I have no frame of reference for that. My James Bond is Pierce Brosnan, the Goldeneye. Right. Good lord, man. That's, that's, that's my. I mean, and mine, I was, uh, and mine was more. Yeah, see, I went back and watched it later, but it, it wasn't the same. He, James Bond will too. always be Pierce Brosnan. I don't care who plays it later on; it will always be Pierce Brosnan for me. That was that was my formative. I think we were voting for you know rooting for Pierce Brosnan to take over at some point, yes. even when yes. like when yes. what was the TV show he was in? Remington Steel. Yeah, oh, because yeah, Remington right. Steel is just basically Bond. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and we were all like, "Why would you take yeah. Timothy Dalton? You have Remington <laughs> Steel right there." Oh. And, and they didn't do it for years and years. Actor. He's a wonderful actor. He's charming. He's sexy. He's gorgeous. He's yeah. wonderful, wonderful, mm. wonderful. I and yet they took I, Timothy uh, Dalton. See, I feel I, I I feel very bad for Timothy Dalton because Living Daylights was a legitimately good movie. Was it? Nobody's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. It was the first movie where where it was Timothy Dalton as Bond. Uh, as Bond. Okay. Yeah, and and it takes it in uh, like when Roger Moore was playing it. They, especially by the end, I mean James Bond had more or less become a cartoon character, and they were. It was almost yeah. like a comedy movie right. at that point. Like it was all very tongue in cheek and all very kind of slapstick. And Timothy Dalton, they were 
clearly trying to dial it back to more oh, more serious. Yeah, more like the novels, like trying to get it grittier again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed Living Daylights a lot. Huh. Um, then his next movie, License to Kill, was terrible. Uh, it was dreadful. That's I never the one I saw. I never okay. got no, into Bond. It was, bad. It was no yeah. bond whatsoever. Well, no, I think the most recent Bond, uh, who has got what three Daniel movies Craig, under him? Yeah. I, those too many. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, the, tonally, the it's it's much better for me than the other ones they're because yeah, I think movies. it's no, yeah, yeah, yeah see, I have the same. Bond, I have the same why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, okay, so Bond is. A, I think we need to put Bond away for a few years mm. because I Bond is a he's a wonderful archetype. But he's very much an archetype as, 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 um, so there are characters who we recognize independent of their context, like Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. yeah. like Tarzan, yeah. like whomever, Batman. Um, I think we need to put Bond away for a little while and then come back to him with fresh eyes because yes. he's a great archetype. But he's been over over needed. Mm. He's like my mm. my my silly putty here that I've been needing here. He's he's gotten mushy. And and I love Daniel Craig. He's a serious actor. He's mm. really really good. He's fantastic. But those are not. It's just, those are just action movies. Yeah. Those mm. Bond films. Bond yeah. films are something very stylized and specific. So yeah. yeah. I did Plus go led back. Endeth my lecture. Okay. I did go back to the first sixty-two movie, which was Doctor No. Oh yes. And I watched that. In fact, I watched I think four in a row, like okay. the first four that came out in order. Okay. Are those all Connery? I don't know how many. Yeah, yeah. 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 He yeah. did six, and then took a one away, and then really? he did another four or and something. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, and and those were a lot less ridiculous. Um, than his other ones, but already by the fourth movie, you know, it's like you know, laser-mounted sharks. <laughs> yeah. That's Wait, fun. La- That's... laser-mounted sharks? Yes. Sharks mounted with lasers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think Bond um, went to his peak in um, Austin Powers. Austin. Okay, interesting. That's the height of Bond for me. I love Austin Powers. And I'm waiting for the moment when I can finally show Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, he won't get it because he won't have seen any Bond any movies. Bond yeah. So to him, like half the jokes will be like, yeah, they're kind of funny, but he won't understand any of the behind. The so I'd love for him to watch a Bond movie. And then, but actually I was surprised at the 62 movie, how, you know, let's say racy, I would suppose it was. Right. Because for the, for the early sixties, I, I was surprised that they were that out there that, with some of the sexuality. Right, right, right. Because we were still at the point where you couldn't put on TV two, two people in bed together. And that lasted for quite a while. Hmm. My first, yeah, my first bond was Roger Moore. Was Octopussy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it was great. I loved it. But it was quite a revelation for a 13-year-old. Oh, sure. I'm not sure how much I want. Josh would have a revelation at this point. Well, he's going to at some point. Yeah, I dude, know. he's thirteen. Yeah, I like, know. <laughs> trust me, I'm a high school teacher, man. The stuff I overhear in the classroom, I'm holy sure. fuck. Yeah. Anyway, I'll see. I'll see about showing him a Bond movie so that <laughs> I can then show I him mean, Austin Powers. Okay, so I've never seen Octopussy. How bad is it? Like to show a thirteen. I don't think it's that. I'd start well, with. It's not that bad, but there's a lot of sex. Um, okay, but it, it came out in the seventies, right? So how much? Like, no, Octopussy would have been later. Well, yeah. Okay, but even the eighty-one. How much sex could there be? Like. I mean, 81 was the same oh, year as uh, Blade Rock, Runner, because I remember there were ads at the back of comic books for the Marvel adaptation of 
that movie, I believe. Or there were ads for the movie itself in the comic books. But I could start with Dr. No, but the problem is the pacing of movies now is so different from how it was 50 years ago that he won't sit through something that was from the 1960s. Was it you that I was talking to about? I was talking to someone who was... You and I talk sometimes. About Yes, sometimes. About um, their kids were getting into horror movies, and they were like... They wanted to watch a really scary movie, and I can't remember who. It was Not me. You. And they were saying you've got to see The Exorcist. It's like the scariest movie ever. <laughs> oh, no. And they showed their kids The Exorcist, and they they were just Yawning. they were just bored to tears because yeah. that like the scale of what is in a horror movie has changed mm. so much. Right. That, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, they're 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 desensitized to the level yeah. where Exorcist is just oh, no. very yeah. dull. They they aren't all desensitized. Um, another one of my students uh, in my American history class was telling me that. Um, she's a big fan of like John Wayne films oh. and, and like we yeah, had like westerns and stuff and I'm like really yeah but westerns are different westerns are their own special thing right but oh, even like fuck, I love westerns so much. really yeah. what's your favorite western yeah. <laughs> Silverado oh. I love Silverado it's one of my favorite I've seen it like 40 times wow. easily a few years ago I started watching old westerns to try and understand plot better and so yeah, I was yeah. watching High Noon mm. and uh, well, Zorro, same year, I think. Uh, Zorro Western, uh, sort of. Yeah, yeah. sort of. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically a, a superhero story, right? It's 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 yeah. uh, right, it's okay. an 1800s Batman or 1700s. Well, yeah, no, uh, 1700s Batman because it's before this the Americans took over yeah. California. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, the corrupt that's Spanish right. government. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. I'll I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Zorro. Sorry. Have you ever read the Zorro? Um, Isabella Allende wrote a Zorro book. It no, I've great. heard of it, but I haven't. It's tried. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, highly recommend it. It's okay. lovely. Is it magic realism? Um, you know, it's mm. kind of a little bit, but mostly mm. it's just realism. Okay. Um, okay. But romantic realism. Oh, it's lovely. Right. See, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good romance story. I think one of my favorite movies of all time is, is P.S. I Love You. Oh, oh it's so, it, it is sad. Holy Christ! It, it's. Um, <laughs> I forget who the, the female actress is now off the top of my head, but it um, it's her and, and Gerard Butler. And and Gerard Butler, spoiler alert, dies like five minutes in or something. Huh. Um, and and then it's I guess he, like his character has cancer or something, and so he knows he's gonna he's gonna die, and so he sets it up so that for the next year, um, his wife gets occasional like letters and notes from him, and he like sends her on these adventures, and, and it's to help her get over the fact that he's gone. Oh, interesting! It is so incredibly tragic. This okay. sounds awful. Yeah, I was no, that could be the I'm, plot of a horror movie. It's not amazing. Watching, I'm not going anywhere near that. That's Why insanity. I don't want that much emotion. Oh, that's adorable, right? It's that's so cute. It made me cry, yeah. and I don't cry that's easily so watching the movie. I don't want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> So when when I say romantic, I mean like the, the heightened emotion, the, yeah. the the adventure, the great adventure, mm. the the beautiful landscape, the yeah. the uh, the you know oh, it's just, yeah absolutely so, yeah yeah but you know what, it, what struck me funny um, about romance just recently I was talking with um, uh, Marie Billado, a friend of ours, as uh, about my writing, and I I don't write anything romantic really in any of my stuff. Like the, the first romantic sort of characters um, that I've written are in the novella that I'm working on right now. Cool. Yeah, and it, and it, it, it adds it a whole layer of tension. It does, but I, for yeah. whatever reason, well, I'm, I'm sure I know the reason. Um, there's not there's not a whole lot of romance in any of my previous published stuff. I don't have much either. No. I like romance, but uh, and and in fact, Edgar Rice Burroughs was all about romance. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, huge uh, romantic tension in all of his stuff. So, yes, you care a little bit about whether John Carter 
you know, gets out or whatever. I mean, right. that's a plotless story, but in the end you care about, does he get together with Deja Thoris? And yeah. it takes like three or four books before he, you know, they sort that out. So basically you're shipping them the entire time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, you, you know what shipping is. I learned the word um, <laughs> about a month ago. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I think I had to ask somebody. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Huh. I'm not very with it. You put on a good show, though. So is the romance why you love westerns, or is there, or is it is it back to the horses? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we're back to horses. It's definitely back to the horses. But yeah, it is. It's the romance. It's it's. Um, have Have you ever read any like Louis L'Amour? No. Louis L'Amour. Have no. you read um, Have you read Zane Grey? No. Okay, so so yeah, this is a genre. I, I, yeah. So I so they are. Like you used to be able to get Louis L'Amour in the drugstore, like oh, okay. yeah. right? Like, um, it was something that you could pick up anywhere. And I used to read a lot of Louis L'Amour when I was in university because okay. they were super, super accessible, um, super cheap, yeah, and and no brains required. Okay, but they're so so. When you're thinking about Louis L'Amour books, right? There are books about cowboys and the West and yeah. their adventures and all that. They are so freaking romantic they're oh, really? the most romantic of all romance it's all about getting the girl and, oh. and and guy together and it's like honestly like westerns are are just as romantic as romance genre interesting so great so um, that, so when when was that like when uh, so when were his Louis stuff Moore wrote through 50s 60s 70s 80s okay. so does it hold up today do you think i have no idea um, but the thing is, they're short. Like they're okay. they're they're novel- Like they're probably forty thousand words. Oh, okay. Um, but they're adorable and they're wonderful. Uh, I I one of my the books that that I keep coming back to and thinking about is Riders of the Purple Sage. Okay. By Zane Grey. Okay. Which was one of the big uh, formative um, great Western novels of the early twentieth century. Yeah. And I I drew on um. I, I made it a formative thing for my my main character in um, my story. We live in the heart, mm. which is a science fiction story about um, about about people uh, breaking away from society and finding basically the new great west. Okay, uh, which is is not, but um, their their what their their new horizon is basically to be able to get out of um, the underground habitats, which are very nice, mm. very nice places to live. But they don't want to live in them, so they uh, colonize space whales. Oh, cool! Um, as you would, as as as, <laughs> as you would. Obvious. But but my main character Doc is uh, her um, impetus for doing this is 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 the the, the romance in in uh, Riders of the Purple Stage, oh, okay. which cool. is this really freaking weird book. It uh, so Western book has no indigenous people in it at all, and it is basically the people that uh, the main character and the woman who is um, this ranch widow are fighting against are Mormons. Oh, really? Evil Mormons. Yeah. Okay. And and at the end, it's so romantic and it's so ridiculous. <sighs> they they have run away together, and they have become trapped in this. Uh, Eden-like, it's completely ridiculous. Nobody would ever believe <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the minute you but said like, evil Mormons. Trapped, trapped in this Eden-like uh, box canyon, large box canyon, okay. where everything is beautiful. It's basically Eden, and they are trapped there because there's a like a... Um, landslide? A uh, landslide. And, and now, you <laughs> know, just, 
just him and her in this beautiful oh, Eden-like area. Oh, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody would want to do that. <laughs> you cannot live there. You have no doctors. Um, and you can have babies. So, yeah. Um, but it's it's this romantic idea of if we could just be away from society and we could have our perfect love together in this beautiful place. The Western is a really interesting genre in terms yeah. of some of the themes it tries to do because uh, I've I've heard it said that it's it's about the conflict between let's say the herders and the the, the farmer settlers, right? You know, right. you've got your your people who are and and then if you go further than that, you've got the first people arriving and the people who had it before, and it's so there are these layers of right. social conflict that are in there that can be played for metaphor in a lot of a lot of ways mm -hmm. and there's gunfights mm, there is gun. makes it look like star wars especially with uh, high noon they got a guy looks exactly so, like han solo yeah so it's it's <laughs> does he well because he's got that he's a white shirt and then oh, the, yeah, the black so vest they were definitely drawing and the that. han solo hat um yes <laughs> Han Solo no. no, Derek was trying to be funny. Just oh, okay. Now, I oh, I yeah, see. It, it didn't work. I was like Indiana Jones, like why wow, fedora? No, um, right. So it's the idea of we we will create the perfect world. We will fight mm. to make the perfect world, right? But there's even value systems difference because, like, if you go to this, you know, frontiers person. There's the value of individualism yeah. and honor and reputation, right. whereas the values of community, so community life is working yeah. together and being a little more humble and, uh, you know, uh, avoiding conflict and stuff like that. And so I'm just uh, right. spewing out right. Truby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Truby. Is that a feeling? Uh, like, I was wondering if Truby was going to come up at some point. Do you John know who Truby is? No. Oh, okay. man. So John Truby is a Hollywood script doctor who's who's put out a, a bunch of, like, he's recorded some of his lectures when he gives uh, script doctoring stuff. Uh, no, you have to buy them, but oh, there are okay. some that are on YouTube. But, like, if you buy them, totally, totally worth it. I found his way of looking at story structure to be something a lot more pragmatic and helpful to me, and especially the way my brain works. Um, it, it just hit my brain the right way and helped me, uh, develop my stories a lot better. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so he goes through the various genres in one of his lectures or one of his courses. And the Western is a big deal because it, like some of the thematic conflicts in it, like it has, a, it's so rich in terms of what you can do with it. Right. With the conflict, uh, between different societal levels. And let's not forget that science fiction is very influenced by Absolutely. Western. Yeah, the completely frontier. Yep. Yep. Do you want me to be funny again? Yes. All the time. You you should be funny nonstop. I've almost finished my wine. No, you haven't. Close. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let me get too close to that. What did you think of this wine? Uh, so this is a Muscat. Muscat is the um, one of the oldest wine varietals known to humans. It came from Greece. And if you sniff it, you'll notice it's very floral and mm -hmm. very sweet. Yeah. So muscat yeah, grapes, sure. if you ever get see muscat, like actual muscat grapes, they're quite small. So mm -hmm. don't get them if they're big because they'll be all watered out. But if you see little tiny muscat grapes in the stores, buy them okay. because they will be the sweetest, most delicious grapes that you will ever eat. And you will never go back to any other kinds of grapes. So it'll ruin other grapes. It'll ruin basically. other grapes for you, but you won't be able to get good muscat grapes very often. So, um, so this is a, a barefoot muscat. So it's a... Uh, you know, it, it, it's an industrial produced wine. 
It's decent. You know, I will go a long way for a muscat okay. because I love, and I'll go for, um, I, I will look and I will never be able to find a square word LCBO. You, you can curse on this podcast. I, can I curse? Because yeah, I, think I, I've already I have, done I have problems. I used, to be a, I used to be a wine columnist. So LCBO, I have, a, I have a grudge against LCBO because I can't freaking, you can, <sighs> go on, they, let it out. They're never going to listen the to this. LCBO, the LCBO, serves what is it how many 15 million people in this province like this province has sure. yeah, yeah. Has, no, I'm, this province has 15 million people yeah, I believe lcbo is one of the largest liquor buying organizations in the world sure. yeah which is a huge um uh marketing stick to yeah. beat your suppliers with and they do such a poor job. Yeah. I can walk into any LCBO and be disappointed. Yeah. I cannot find, like, okay, if I want Chardonnay, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, you know, the the basic varietals, you can find them everywhere, and they yeah. all taste the same, and whatever, who cares? Yeah. But can I find a dry muscat? Oh, I see what you're saying. I yeah. can find a sweet muscat by Barefoot, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like muscat. Um so, and this is a very sweet muscat, and it's delicious. Really good with cocktail, actually. Okay. Um, if you want to cut that with um, a little bit of, like, sparkling wine, oh, sparkling really? wine, okay. and just um, leaving out the sweetness a little bit. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it is very sweet. Yeah, it, it's, it's sweeter good. than I expected. No, I, I like it. And <clears throat> wine experts, will they will uh, be very happy to drink sweet wine and very, very dry wine. Okay. And they'll be super bored by, like, your regular dry wine. Okay, gotcha. Um, so yeah, so uh, that is my monologue on this <laughs> one of the one of the foundation varietals of uh, human winemaking. I am similarly disappointed every time I go into the LCBO. Yes, um, and I can remember distinctly. It's got to be a year and a half ago now. I was back home in Burlington. I went into an LCBO with my mom, and they had uh, blueberry wine and raspberry wine on display. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to try that. I don't know if it would be any good. It could be absolute shit. But yeah. I, I just, I would just want to, just for the sake of the experience, I want to try it and see what happens. Um, but I was like, I'll, I'll wait till I get back home. <laughs> yeah. Year and a half. No. I have never seen blueberry no. or raspberry no. wine in a single exactly. LCBO since then. So I missed my one opportunity to buy it, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So what did you learn? No. Probably. I should have bought it when should've I was actually yeah. 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 I don't think we should be blaming the giant provincial corporation for your failings. <laughs> <laughs> But but why not? They have more power than I. It was right there. You were with your mom. You you wouldn't have been carded. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in all seriousness, I haven't been carded since I was seventeen. Oh wow! In all seriousness, well, you do have a mature look about you. I got carded in Albuquerque when I went to Taos Toolbox, which was the summer I turned forty. What is Taos Toolbox again? Taos Toolbox is a is a master class. Two-week masterclass run by Walter John Williams, who's mm-hmm. one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. And I went to the first one in uh, 2007. Okay. And the other teacher that year was Connie Miller. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite. She's and a hoot, eh? She is a hoot. Like, holy She's God. the best. She's the best. She is honestly the best. She's got personality to spare. Yeah, I don't care. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I was in Albuquerque for Telstra Books. So, with two weeks masterclass... Mostly, um, people are working on novels. So they, uh, Nancy Crest teaches it now. Oh, okay. Um, with Welcher, and they, uh, it's a great, it's a great workshop. Yeah. When does it normally run? Um, I think usually June or July. Probably. Uh, none of the writers will be um, super new. Okay. But pro- and none of them will be super 
uh, established. Right. Well, for a master class, I would expect it to be people yeah. who have, you know have a little bit under their belt. And, yeah. 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 So, uh, who are the five who are going to listen? Well, I figure it'll be. Um, well, you Marie. said your parents are going to listen. Yeah. So that's so that's, that's two. two. Um, Marie. Really? Presumably. She better. Okay. So, I, I, that's, so that's two. Three. So that's three. And then um, the two of you will listen to it. I'm yes, not going to listen. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm right here. To you don't want to. You want to hear how you, you sound. Already heard on... it. Well, what would it be different? I don't know. You you do have a wonderful resonant baritone, so that's true. You do very, have a voice very made smooth. For, yes, I do. Voice made for radio. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to listen. To that. <laughs> right, so baby. we're down to two. No, we're the, this was three. We're this, at least three. this yeah. was uh, this was the plot of a uh, WKRP at one point, right? When uh, he got all petrified when he found out that like there were tens of thousands of people listening to WKRP, and then yeah, that show was perfect. Oh, it was so great! I'm, I'm going to play my my young one card again. I have no idea what you're talking you about. Have well, never it heard ran heard from seventy-nine to eighty-four, I think. Yeah, the mo- the best, most perfect, and delightful oh, sitcom yeah. ever made. If, seriously. seriously, I would put it in the top. That's a top, top one. Top uh, what about Mash? Fuck whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, better than Seinfeld? Well, here's the thing. I went back and watched all of WKRP uh, in 2008, 2009, and it okay. still held up. And I watched all four seasons. It was really it, really good, good story. Yeah, time. is it actually like is like it's, is that the name of the show or is that an actor? WKRP. It's it's, yeah. it's a radio station, but yeah. obviously it's W crap. Because it's a really crappy radio oh, station. Oh, I didn't get that. Until yeah, and right at the beginning, the the pilot is they're they're like they just hired this DJ who got, you know, who's this pothead who got fired from this big gig in LA because he said booger on the air, and so he's now working in this place on like some night shift, and this new program director comes in, and he's like, no, we're gonna go to rock and roll, and he's like, no, we're not, and he's like, yes, we are, and then finally he's like, yes. scrapes it across the thing, and he's like, okay, babies, we're back, booger. <laughs> That's the. He's wonderful. He's oh, this wonderful so stoner, and he's 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 great. Oh, and everybody is so like it's the a. The characters it's, are all good. Exactly, okay. it's a re- like if you're a writer, it's a really good study in character really? exaggeration. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, where do I find this? It's got to be on YouTube. Uh, yeah. YouTube, yes, I, I would expect. It's the the story writing <coughs> is fantastic. They're wonderfully yeah. encapsulated stories. What about Taxi? Really good. Would you uh, not put yeah, Taxi up there? I guess. Um, and uh, also, uh, what was that show where uh, Billy Crystal started? Um, that was um, such a funny show. Billy Crystal did a um, I would say. Yeah. I would say. So. Uh, so. No, uh, Barney Miller. Uh, that oh, was good too. Barney Miller. Yeah. Barney I used to watch that at my grandmother's. And because they were such good stories, right? Like Mash. <laughs> Mash, Mash was great, but Mash was. A different thing. It was a bit of a different thing. It was a bit of a more anthologies show, right? Like mm. where whereas WKRP, like every episode is its own story. Mm. And the same with uh, Barney Miller. So just a wonderfully, wonderfully sculpted. Story I never watched that. Again. And Nash was. Oh, uh, I mean, I welcome back, Cotter. Sure. Yeah. No. No. Okay. No, that doesn't look just, like no. John Travolta. To me, Mash is an example of one of those things that went on too long. Yeah, because it was such a big hit, they just kept making more seasons, and but, I felt like by the end it was like, this is, you, but, guys, "You guys are done." But the thing is, okay, the thing about Mash was that it was in syndication all the time. 
Yes. So the thing is, you could be watching season two or you could be watching season eight yes. and, you know, whatever. And, and you could watch it five days a week or actually 10 times a week, I think. When I was in grade five, I could easily watch, like, it, it wasn't any difficulty. So I, and I think the, the Colonel Blake period has different qualities compared to the Colonel Potter period and, Mash, Mash had some problems with its female character. Sure, mm-hmm. it's yeah. a well female and, character, yeah. and it was pretty. They were. It took them a long time to do any justice by her. Whereas mm-hmm. WKRP was right never a problem. WKRP was always excellent to its female characters, mm-hmm. and still, you know, they were not the main characters by any stretch of the imagination. My my list of things that I'm supposed to watch is huge. What's uh, on your list? Because I'm looking great. for things to watch, and I don't want to watch anything. <laughs> like, wait, so you don't want to watch anything or you don't want to watch just anything is that like uh both but, because okay. i uh, the world is too tense i good place no, is yeah, just right but the, i the, yeah. i want uh, like right. the, and also like i can't even navigate netflix it's just too large it's it's like there's no well, tree like, structure or anything that would help somebody who's no, logical. No, there is though. It, it's, all, it's all organized by genre and subgenre. I don't understand. Mm, yeah, but then you have this one stripe, and you just keep on going, and no, no, some no, things you fall change, into every stripe. You can change the format. You, like it's either stripe or you can change it to just be like a grid, and you just go down. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, you can help me do that sometime. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But sorry, what's on your list? Because uh, I'm curious. Wait, what's on my, uh, um, I've been trying to get you to watch Person of Interest, and I don't. Yeah, Person of Interest is, is that on Netflix? It's still on there. Um, uh, Suits is on there. My dad keeps is recommending that. Is that the one with the AI? Yeah. 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 So, which I, 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 I've seen a couple episodes. Of and like it. when it when it came out, I thought, and and I think everybody thought it was going to be like the most procedural procedural ever, like right. just kind of case of the week where the AI helps them solve it. But right. they be as far as we can tell, they basically tricked the network. Um, because this is, it, this is a story about an AI. Yeah, and like the implications of having like a hyper intelligent AI that's got most of the population of the world under surveillance. Cool. Like what that means neat. for yeah, it's it, it goes to really neat places. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite series. Is that ever. on Netflix? I don't Do know. Think it is, or we watch it, it. I thought it might be on Crave. It might be on something um, like Crave or something. like that. I used that. to have Crave, yeah. and they had, I feel like they I should had, look it up now. But I think they had that, and they had the Wire. Why are you poking me? I'm watch not looking at the interest. Okay, okay. Yeah, to be I fair, have to watch it too. To be fair, I've, I've, I've I, seen a couple of episodes of it on on cable when I go home. Um, and uh, who's the guy who stars at Jim uh, Caviezel? Jim Caviezel, yeah. I, I mean, the guy's a, he's like the Tin Man from. Uh, you see, that was. I also thought that when it first started was that I really enjoy this, except that this guy is extremely yeah. shut down. Yeah, I liked everybody else. But we get to a point where I mean, there's a reason why he's that shut down. Okay. The actor is not watch. actually that shut down. Like I was like, this guy just can't act. But there is a reason why we. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. yeah. And like, uh, who else is on? Taraji P. Uh, oh yeah, Jen, she's amazing. Yeah, and Michael uh, Emerson. Yeah, yeah. he was also amazing. Yeah, no, it, it's really good, and has without without giving without spoiling anything, has one of my favorite and I think most plausible redemption arcs. Oh really? For a character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Interesting. Because cool. Okay. Yeah, right, I'll add that to my list. Yep. Christ, like I was hoping to get suggestions for me to watch, but since everything oh. you've named, you haven't watched. This is oh, I, I didn't realize you wanted. I, you asked me what is on my list. Yeah, I know, and I guess I asked the wrong question because I've been drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me what to, to watch. What watch. Tell me what um, to watch, somebody. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, do you need comedies? Do you need? Yeah, I do, think so. Fair. See, I'm not, see comedy. I'm, I'm not the person to ask for comedy because, like, I find I, I find Fringe hilarious. <laughs> like, 
There's funny parts. No, I know, but it's, it's not a comedy. Like, it's the character. I feel like Evan will give me a better uh, recommendation. You, no, I'm a terrible person. Ask. I don't watch a lot of comedy. Parks and Recreation. I haven't gone through any. Okay, so Parks and Rec has a lot um, of similarities to WKRP. Oh, really? In that it's uh, none of the characters are bad people. Mm-hmm. They are all trying to do their job well and to mm-hmm. do and to live good lives, just as the people in WKRP are. Except for her garlic. Well, her had yeah but her was yeah anyway yeah. yes you're right her honestly but so, <laughs> so so parks and rec which is a well-beloved everyone else in the world has watched it okay. uh is a wonderful um sitcom where they really do well by every single character in in a long multi-year arc mm-hmm. every single character is is uh is is multi-dimensional mm-hmm. Uh, did you see Offerman? Uh, what did you say? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I heard that some people, some of the more conservative and parental people in the audience, I were was really fine. unhappy. With some them. of it was a little edgier than I think I would have expected, but I mean, it was still fine. This was at the, at the Nebulous in 2014, 2015. 2015, 2015 yeah, because that's where I met Kim May. Yeah. yeah. Your agent. Now my agent, yeah. I love how we just instinctively start filling in context for things that nobody else could understand what we're yeah. talking about. But you said we're just friends talking around a table. I realized that. Oh, I, 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 I'm right. no, don't, yeah. no. don't, no, don't change it. the parameters. <laughs> Damn it. I broke it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, Brandon broke the fourth wall, everybody. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Um, see, if, if you're like, do you want something with... That's a little more positive. With it, that's not so grim, dark. Like exactly. Yeah. Okay. See, I although I'm totally happy with something like a Godfather. I just want more shooting. Like I could watch. <laughs> I could watch Breaking Bad because I want to see somebody. Wow. Like Breaking Bad, I'm happy with, <laughs> except when he does the family stuff and his doctor stuff. I just want to see him make math. Okay. All right. Okay. And, that, no, yeah, I tried um, Breaking Bad. I bounced off it. See, I, I remember when I was in the It was too bleak. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, I it was do Breaking the Bad and Dexter, and, and I, I couldn't get into any of those shows. So on Netflix, there's the House of House of Flowers, which is a Mexican um, oh. Mexican sitcom. Okay. Uh, in 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 Spanish with subtitles. Ooh. Is it like a it tel- telenovela? Is, or no, that's something else. It's not a tel. It's a um, parody of a telenovela. Oh really? Okay. So it's a half hour sitcom. Okay. Um, and yes, it's about a it's a family drama, but it's quite ridiculous and quite mm. quite uh, over the top and really super duper funny. Okay. And there's this woman in it. She so. Uh, Two sisters and a brother, and and the eldest sister, even though she's speaking Spanish, I don't know anything about Spanish. The way she delivers her lines is just inherently hilarious. Okay. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, I'll watch that. There you go, House of Flowers. If you want, okay, if you want over the top, uh, ridiculous, lots of action. It's not a comedy, although you will laugh a lot. Uh, go watch the hundred, the one hundred. Oh I, no! Don't go. That, don't, see, no, I, I watched that. That on him. I watched that a bit with Josh. It is Ron. ridiculous. If you turn your brain off, it is like eating Doritos. It is fun. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I tried ever so. I mean, I started. Maybe watching that's it. the key. I, I just started turn my watching brain off. it because of like the controversy over how it treated some of its its lesbian characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to see. Okay, did they actually do something terrible? And, I'm what sure. they do, yeah. yeah well, um, I mean, they have two characters who, um, unusually for like a, a network television show, are very obviously in a lesbian relationship, and it's one of the main characters. Mm. So, you know, for queer representation, uh, and again for like a network show, unusual level of it, right. and then right. one of them gets killed, of course. Uh, of course, and that was what people were upset about was they killed yeah. off this character, and yeah. I don't think the writers had a choice because I believe the actor was leaving the show, and. 
I started watching it basically because I wanted to to kind of investigate that because I was seeing all over Twitter. And I would not like, yeah, if you have your hard SF brain on, that that part of you will explode. But um, yeah, it is. There's lots of action. There's lots of beautiful people, <laughs> and it's extremely it's over the top. Right. Yeah, I couldn't get through like three episodes of that. I started watching it for Henry and Cusick because I, I loved him on Lost, and, and it was like I want to watch something else with him in it. And I could I, three episodes in, and I was like, I gotta stop. Mm-hmm. Watch okay, <laughs> you, you should watch um, watch Supernatural. It's only fourteen seasons. Fourteen seasons. That's it. And uh, but uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is super lovely. Yeah, I, Joshua makes me watch some of that sometimes, but then he starts repeating the jokes for days, and oh. uh, that gets old fast. Yeah, kids do that. Yeah, I I'm gonna keep on trying to watch uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Okay. Have Have you started it? Uh, yeah, uh, because I have a hard time with horror and I don't want to be scared. That's right. What happens you're, you're is I, I, I watch 10 minutes and then when I get to a point that's really tense, I stop watching it and go do something else. And then the following day I'll watch another 15. That feels and, like it's going to take you a while to get through. Well, no, no. Except it's, that it's, it gets less and less scary as yeah. it goes on. Okay. Have you finished the season? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it, it, like I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard some people say that it's really good. Some people say that it is God's awful. It's neither. Okay. You're somewhere in the... It's, it is the... Ending of the season is not what we are promised at the beginning of the season. Oh, it's a lot yeah. more not scary. Oh. Um, so I will like that? Yeah. Oh, they yeah, awesome. Like okay. It. <laughs> it's, somebody said uh, that Haunting of Hill House, the book, is about women who are betrayed by men. Okay. And Haunting of Hill House, the TV series, is about men who betray women, which is kind of true. Um, okay. Hmm. And no, I mean it's a family thing. And although I was not happy with the way it resolved itself, and I suspect that the problem was um, uh, Timothy Hutton oh. being, being in that main character, I suspect that he had his fingers into what what was going on with that character, and okay. was saying, "Yes, you can do this." No, and at the end, I want to be you know redeemed somehow. Uh, okay, and. Uh, so, because it didn't feel true to what, because the writing was really good up until, like, the last couple of episodes. Yeah. One of the things is that each episode up to a certain point is from each of the different characters' perspectives. Okay. So, you notice that the first one was from the perspective mm-hmm. of the eldest boy. Yeah. And then the uh, second, his, one, the second is one girl. eldest sister. And the next thing will be um, the middle kid. Okay. And... When, so they get, when they get to the mom, the perspective of the mom, it just fell apart. She, What was going on with mom just didn't seem scary to me. But there is this wonderful thing, I think it may be like the second to last episode, where they do they do the everything is in one shot for minutes and minutes and minutes. Oh, yeah. Beautiful film work. Okay, wow. that's becoming more and more popular. Yeah, it's gorgeous yeah, to watch. It's absolutely amazing. So, yeah. It was like neat. the Daredevil sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I think the entire, like, First twenty minutes was one shot. It's oh, just cool! Beautiful. That's cool. so worth watching for that. Okay, I do plan on watching. Just don't get your hopes up for the ending. I don't get my hopes up at any TV these days. Really, to be perfectly honest. But TV is really good. There's a lot of good TV. It's just I think that there it's offering so many subgenres of TV that if you go to the one that is not right for you, then mm. you're not going to be satisfied. Yeah, that's the thing. There's um, too much out there that it's like it's a crap yeah. Shoot. But the altered carbon is probably my jam, so I'm okay. going to keep on <laughs> trying that. My favorite television shows of the last little while, Killing Eve. Killing Eve is a spy versus spy. Oh, okay. British spy versus spy. Two women. Um, Sandra Oh, who oh. we love, right? Sandra Oh. 
and um, and a British actor whose name is Jodie Comer, and they unbelievable performances. Oh yeah, and it's very over the top. Jodie Comer plays a uh, assassin. Okay. Who just freaking loves being an assassin? She loves <laughs> she loves being an assassin. She's living a stylish life in Paris. She's very strange, and she goes around killing people. And she couldn't be having a better time. <laughs> and awesome. Sandra O oh is the is the um, is working for MI5. She's American, but she's working for MI5, and she gets uh, uh, basically gets the scent of this of this this assassin and wants to catch her. Okay. And it is beautiful. Okay. Because they are fascinated with each other. Oh. Fascinated with each other. But it's spy versus spy. It's great. So, okay, cool. so that is one of the best shows I've seen ever. What's the name of it again? Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Okay. And the other good TV show, best TV show I've seen in the last little while is the new uh, miniseries of um, Picnic at Hanging Rock. I have no idea what that is. Oh, so it is um, <laughs> Picnic and Hanging Rock is an Australian book that was made into a movie in the 70s. It's okay. about girls. At, it's about a true story. Girls at a girls school uh, out in rural Australia who go out on like a picnic and a bunch of them go missing. Okay. And this is this is the story about about this girls' school and and these girls who go missing and people okay. who search for them and everything. Is it is, is it pure realism? Is there anything supernatural or, or uh, SF about it? Or? It's pretty supernatural. Okay, but nothing. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, no, like, it's it's for it's, me in my taste. It's got yeah, it's more magical realism sort of. Do okay. we really know what's going on here? Oh, uh, see, I like that. The, the subtleties about that. Great, it's such a good show. And what's wonderful? One of the wonderful things about this. Uh, picnic at Hanging Rock is the representation is fantastic. Oh, we've perfect. got cool. we've got heterosexual inter, inter, interracial couples. Okay. We've got an asexual character, Seriously? asexual aromantic character. We've got um, an uh, asexual another asexual character who's not aromantic. Oh, interesting. We've got lesbian couples. We've got bisexual people. Yeah. We've got a gay couple. It's oh my god. Yeah, it's just really cool. Proof. So okay. it, it's it, just neat. It and it's beautiful, pink. stylish, and it's set in the 19th Hanging Rock. Picnic and Hanging Rock. Picnic and Hanging Rock. Hanging rock. Okay, I'm going to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. So those are my recommendations wow. for really good TV. Really good TV. Run, don't walk. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly, <laughs> To your local right? Netflix. Yeah. Apparatus. To your I, couch. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're on Netflix, but... To uh, your... But you're, you're totally legal wherever you get them. I... I uh, I buy them yeah. from iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. We just have a, a monthly iTunes budget, and we buy our stuff. Killing yeah. Eve is streaming somewhere, because I, I know I've seen trailers for it. I think maybe on... Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's Amazon, streaming somewhere. Maybe on Amazon? Maybe. Yeah, oh, sure. maybe. Yeah, it's, it's a, so worth it. It's so good. It's so yeah. fun. Cool. Yeah, I, I have Amazon because I wanted to watch the American Gods series. Which is so boring. I, yeah, I, I got an episode I mean, in, and I, mean, I was like, yeah. Jillian Anderson as media was fantastic. Yeah. Um, if you could like cite, if you could suck that part out, Jillian Anderson playing media is great. Yeah, but she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And everything. But I mean, like you know, she does all these different permutations of media. Like in one episode, she's David Bowie. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Jillian Anderson is in The Spy Who Dumped Me. All right. Okay. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays um uh, basically an M-like character. Oh, okay. that work. Yeah. That work. Yeah. Amazing. That's another show that's on my my list is the one she did, uh, it's... The Fall. Oh, oh that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's on my yeah. list as well. 
Um, it, it's up there for bleak. That's, I, I'm okay with bleak. A, I have a problem with serial killer shows where they're so interested in the serial killer as a character. Yeah. 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 yeah I didn't do. enjoy Dexter. Is it good, like because of the glorification? Is that what you? Yeah. See, I was trying to explain that um, to my students about the Joker, about why like, I'm so tired of trying to glorify the Joker, and, and I don't know if I explained it to them very well. We're getting a Joker origins. Movie. We're getting two Joker origins. Movies. Yeah, that's we gross. Are? I don't want to know. Yeah, no, no, no. or something like that. Can, can I just point out for the record that I get up for two seconds, and by the time I come back, Derek's feet are on my chair. Ah! I wanted to like get a, like a cat. <laughs> no. I'm just... Everybody should be comfortable. We're just friends. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going to point out the fact that I kept getting up. But yeah, no, I yeah, super good at it. Yeah. No, not me. Not me. Really? Give me, give me my Thor. Give me my Thor. I love the Thor movies as well. Okay, okay, but I'm all for Thor. I'm I'm all for certain characters. To me, it's I don't want to watch another origin story. Uh, like it's like Doctor Strange bored me to tears because it's like the origin story follows the same same format all the time. The I, cinematography in that one was great. Do you like? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big cinematography. No. That that's not enough. Like I was enough to do it for a movie. I was disappointed with Doctor Strange because I was a huge Doctor Strange oh, fan in book. the comics, and mm. in the comics they go really weird because you only have to sell thirty, forty thousand copies of a comic at Marvel in the seventies and eighties to keep it viable and oh, make money, right? right? And so what I found with <laughs> the movie was they blended it up a lot so that you could put. I don't know how many millions of people have to be satisfied with the movie, but right. they right. took out a lot of the quirkiness, a lot of the Ditko weirdness that, it, right, okay. and and the weirdness they put in was not Ditko esque. It was a different kind yeah. of weirdness. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Part of the reason I like the X-Men and Dr. Strange and son of Satan and other things in, in comic books at those times was they were like fringe. Yeah. Right. properties they yeah. weren't like your captain america your avengers i was never interested in like oh look there's thor and captain america and iron man and everybody's cheering for them i yeah. you know and dr strange was somebody who most of the time nobody knew even existed right okay. right so yeah the movie okay so made me understand even more how much you have to blend something down to make it right to okay. uh something that will put bums in seats all over the world right so why are you not superheroed out Aside from just your love of certain characters. My love of certain is? characters. Um, I still have faith that uh, I still have faith that good movies can come out of these mm-hmm. properties. Okay. I mean, uh, I mean, they can. Like Infinity and, War, I thought and, was fabulous. And, and I hated Ultron, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. But I love the Thor movies so much. Mm. And I love the last Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Infinity War was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did a fantastic job. I, lo- I hated Ant-Man. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, tonally, it didn't work for me. Yeah, I love Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want the visual. Um, one of the things that was so spectacular back in 1977 when we got uh, Star Wars was that it was just visually so mm. different and so impressive than anything we'd seen before. Because movies, especially movies that appealed to kids, were shit before <laughs> Star Wars came along. Right. <clears throat> Do you remember that? I mean, they were terrible. Like we were getting movies like Seven Alone, where 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 pioneer kids have to like bury their parents on the Oregon Trail and like what? Yeah, no, that the hell kind of movie movies. is that? Jesus, these were kid, and these were from Disney, and and where the red f- fern grows, where it's dead dogs and old yeller and all that oh, shit. Oh right? my god! Like, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't go to these? Did you not? Al- were not allowed to go to movies? Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> no, 77, I was six years old, and that, I think, was okay. the first movie so I saw bit, in theaters. You were a bit, yeah. yeah. And, and so we was, saw it as a drive-in. I was, I was eight, eight, nine. Yeah. I was nine, and my parents were divorcing, and mm. Star Wars was my delivery. Yeah. Oh. So my consumption of sci-fi started on Saturday morning cartoons. And then after Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica was out. <gasps> Battlestar Galactica! And then Buck Rogers. And so, I mean, I couldn't... Right. There was no VCR, so I couldn't tape things and then yeah, watch them when I wanted. But those. there was some... But Saturday morning cartoons was everything. Because right. you had Jason... You, you had all of the filmation stuff. Jason of Star Command. You had uh, Arc 2. You had uh, Space Academy. These are all like they. No idea what it is. No, no, of course not. They were like ten years before you were born. They were they vanished. They sound delightful. They were amazing. Like for the time, they were amazing, and they were like just live action space shows. They were great. Uh, Okay, okay, great, great, great. That's cool. So for me, the Marvel movies bring back that that visual sumptuousness. Uh, Interesting. Okay, that Star Wars gave us. Okay. No, I could totally dig that. Absolutely. Plus jokes. Plus jokes. Yes. Alex, Alex, my my wife, Alex, and I have have fights because oh, she 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 loves Tony Stark. Oh, she yeah. thinks he is a great character, and I uh, hate him. And I think, <laughs> why? I, why do you? I hate think him? that Steve because oh, let me tell you why. Yeah, okay, let's let's get let it, let's get into this because I'm a huge Tony Stark, Stark fan. Oh, good Lord. Absolutely, what, everyone else back away. What would Tony Stark say about Gamergate? Fuck you, Nebula Award winning author <laughs> Kelly Robson. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, I mean, he would. Yeah. Okay, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody help me. You can <laughs> checkmate it in one move. How right? the hell did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> we won't even go into. We told you too. not to prep for this. We won't even Damn go into. I mean, he wouldn't. No, I mean, he, yeah. Okay. Fine. Was it Steve Rogers? Steve Rogers, you unthaw him. You explain feminism to him for two and a half minutes, and he's a feminist. I mean, I'm not saying I. Shit. Yep. Steve Rogers, he's my man. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like Steve Rogers. I, I just, I like, I like Tony's arc. I like. Uh, yeah, I like. Tony's I like arc Tony's too. arc, and I, I love funny. Robert Downey Jr. as an actor. Yeah, he's great. I, I love can't ever look at him the same way we, now. We rewatch the movies all the time. Oh my god! Except that. Damn it. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Yeah. In the first one. Yeah. I thought it was Jeff Daniels. Because I have never known really? the difference between Jeff Bridges and Jeff Daniels. I thought they were the same actor. Seriously. So I'm I'm watching Iron Man, the first movie, over and over and over again because it's a great film. Yeah. Right. And it's a great origin story. It, yeah, and it's that, a great that performance and everything's fantastic and it's yeah. delightful and his progression with the suits are fantastic and there's all that that uh, kit bashing yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and it's great. So you're not totally against Tony Stark? No, I'm not. I mean, I watch the movies. Okay. I'm just I'm against him as a person. Well, I mean, yeah, he's a bit yeah, of a, he's a he's tool. A dick. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so 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 Jeff Bridges on there. I'm like Jeff Daniels. You're like you don't even look like yourself. You look like performance. And then I finally, like a year and a half ago, realized that it was Jeff Bridges. I'm like, mm, it's not the same. Really? Yeah, that character is just not the same. <laughs> because now you know it's actually Jeff Bridges. I, I know it's so. Jeff Bridges, and I hate him. Why? Why do you hate Jeff? I just I've always disliked Jeff Bridges. But when I thought he was Jeff Daniels, man, that was a best character. It was <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Um, what else did he play in? Jeff oh, Bridges. Christ. Oh, everything under the sun. Yeah, you've oh, seen, yeah, I've seen that. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, I, mean, I can't tell you right now because I don't. Lloyd watch Bridges, his, his dad, yes. was a bad Battlestar commander. 
Was yeah. he? Yeah, and then his Bo Bridges is his brother, and he's done a bunch of stuff. Right, oh, right, goodness. Right. I've never liked the Bridges very much. But I, I love Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Daniels. Uh, what is Isn't Jeff Daniels played in? So, um, uh, Speed. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Keanu Reeves? He's, Ke- no. he's yes, Keanu no, Reeves' yes, buddy yes. who gets blowed up. Oh, spoiler alert. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> 2000, what was he? was no, in the 90s, 90s wasn't it? Yeah, like 90s, 90s something. 97 or something. Yeah. Oh, earlier, Great I think. Great movie. So I'm good. going to, I'm going to, okay, so I'm like go. totally taking over here. No, no, go. No, I, you, I'm going to write a speed story. Are you oh, actually? Not? Yeah. For, uh, so I was invited to anthology by um, Jonathan Strom. No freaking About way. dinosaurs. Okay. Or not dinosaurs. What am I talking about? So you're going to do fast the dinosaurs. Other things, the other <laughs> things. And if the dinosaur <laughs> slows the, down. The non-real world dinosaurs. Um, dragons. <laughs> dragons. That's it. Dragons. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to write a story, uh, a speed story, except instead of it's a bomb on the bus. Okay. Um, there's a, a dragon chasing the school bus. Oh, oh so they can't slow down. Oh, so I like that. That's awesome. It's going to be set yeah. in my old hometown. What is your old hometown? Hinton, Alberta. Alberta. Hinton. Just by Jasper. Known for its dragons. Now it will be. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, fantastic. That's very cool. Yeah, I the way. So the name of the story will be La Vitesse, <laughs> which is speed in French. Oh. Which is a reference to a... Um, Eddie Izzard routine. Oh, okay. Where he's telling the plot of, of uh, Speed. Of in, Speed. In, in French. <laughs> That's awesome. And Lovey Tess is the name of the school bus. Okay. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't written this yet. You understand. No, but it sounds, no, it, it's it's sound, be it sounds great. phenomenal. It's going to be amazenal. When is, is that for like later this year? I later next year, I have it by like a year from now or something. Oh, so, you have plenty yeah, of time. No, plenty of time. Yeah. Especially if you write it fast. Uh, ah! <laughs> you've lost any cred that you picked up in the last couple of hours. I'm sorry. Can we come back to Jeff Daniels for a second? Yeah. So remind me again, he's the one who gets the watch and blows up? No, yeah. that's the retiree gets the watch. Yeah, the retiree. This, yeah, okay, no, yeah, it's his party. Yeah. It's, it's at the start of Speed. Um, they do the whole "you just shoot the hostage" and he, and he shoot and Keanu Reeves shoots Jeff Daniels, and then he's walking with a limp for the rest of the movie, except when he's on the SWAT team at the very end, and it's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, he's that time. He probably had like an injection or something. But yes, in '97. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, maybe he took an Advil. Yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense. Um, have you seen Godless on Netflix? Oh, yes. Is Jeff Daniels not freaking amazing in that? He's unbelievable. In like, like I knew he was amazing, but when he's I watched him in that role, so I was like, oh, fuck. He's like, so good. Yeah, that's a lot yes, of Godless swearing. Yes, Godless is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You should be so, used to me by now. I know, but are you, your students are going to like this? Oh, yeah. they're going to love it. Uh, do you have some sort of sound effect that you could put over each one that's something like a whoopee cushion sound or something? That would be funny. We could do that. Yeah, that would be funny. I'm Every sure time have, you swear, yeah. you have a whoopee cushion sound. No, but then they, that's going to be a lot you of... You know my that. level of technical ability. Well, we'll just you should something. watch Godless. Yeah, uh, to, oh, totally watch Godless. I, I actually listened to a podcast interviewing the creators of Godless, and for some reason I wrote down that I wanted to watch that show, but now I can't remember why. So every time I see it, I go, so, Godless. It's really good. What's the pitch? The 20-second elevator pitch? I'm not good at pitches. Do uh, it. Do it. Um, Do the pitch, Brandon. I mean, it's a Western. <laughs> yes. So, mining, mining Town, 18... Something, something. Sure, yeah. Has, in the backstory, has lost all of their men in a mining accident. Mm-hmm. Because all the men yeah. worked in the mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the town is just women. Mm-hmm. Or mostly women. Or mostly women. Yeah. And there is a really evil, like super evil Jeff Daniels yeah. coming for ya. Basically, All yeah. because he is a nasty son of a bitch. Isn't he? He's tracking some guy who shows up in town. He's tracking some guy who shows up in town. It's yeah. basically Shane shows up in town. Yeah. Right? 
So, um, but Jeff Daniels is coming for him. Wonderful, uh, gorgeous, what's her name from uh, Downton Abbey? Oh Man, yeah. Man, yeah, she's just beautiful. Oh yeah. my god, she's just gorgeous. So she plays. Like she plays the widow lady. <laughs> the who? She plays the the widow lady. Okay. The widow lady who's running. A I don't know who it is, but I'm sure that if I watch the show and beautiful. wait for the beautiful she's woman, she's a gorgeous brunette. Yeah. She's Absolutely. just. I like brunette. And um, she uh, was married to an indigenous man, and she has yeah, an indigenous boy. And then it is her, her, I guess, the equivalent of her mother-in-law. Is, yeah, and her mother-in-law. Is, yeah, is with her as well. Um, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. There's so much nuance. Okay, I'll watch it. Like, yeah. the characters. It's, it's really good. I have to rewatch it. Yeah, I like it. And Jeff Daniels, he, his the first episode, he starts off. He's got his arm blown off or something, right? Yeah. And, and then he, and he's like, he cuts his arm off. Yes, yeah, because it gets broken to the point that's like you can't save. Oh, and he's just he's like fucking taking the it. scenery. It's just yeah. so evil. Yeah, absolutely. They go, yeah, go watch that. I will. I'll add it to the list. Okay. You're, I don't. You're not writing anything down. Yeah, that's true. But Godless at least keeps showing up in my Netflix okay. suggestions, so now I'll know, oh yeah, I'm supposed to click that. It's not just that I can't remember why. <laughs> Perfect. You should also watch um, Wolf Hall, the miniseries Wolf Hall. I, yeah. I read the book and book clubbed it. It was great. Yeah. Have you read the second book? No. Equally as good? We were just talking we, about we that. We were, yeah, yeah, because of the, the, the question that a friend of mine posed oh, yeah. on Twitter, which I, I, I think is an interesting question. What's the Throw question? it, toss it. Okay, it is. If you had to bet on uh, one of these three books coming out first, would oh. it be <laughs> Martin, Patrick Rothfuss, or uh, Hillary Mantel? Hillary, Hillary Mantel. Yeah. yeah, well, it's coming out sometime. He had no idea who Hillary Mantel was. I've never heard of her before. Oh, such It won the Governor General, or was it the... Oh, it won the Booker, Booker. twice. Uh, Booker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so she had back-to-back -back Booker. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, so I had to take her out of my voting, because like, I don't know. You don't know who she is. So I, yeah. that's not fair to It's supposed to come out next year. Is it? Yeah. I had not heard that. Okay. So it must already be written and edited, and they've got the... I mean... Well, no, it's more than assumed. Apparently it is written. Uh, what I learned with this book is I at Worldcon, I had a conversation with our publisher, like, why don't we move up the publication date or something else for the second book? And yeah. they're like, well, if you do that, Barnes & Noble, you have to order, they order their books one year in advance. Right. So okay. that, that right there already means that by one year out, you have to have all your edit, well, most of your editing done. You have to have your cover. You have to have your blurbs. You have to have that stuff right. ready. Okay. Um... And then there were some other reasons, too. I think mine comes out in October, and I'm very persuaded now that this is a good time for my book rather than August, which I was asking for. Well, that one seems to have done well in October. seems to be doing okay, but their point is that when you have it out in October and it's on shelves for three months, you're hitting Christmas season, oh, which is when good. you know most of the buying happens. Yeah, so that's, that's helpful. Yeah, that's smart. Remind me again. I, I don't, only because of, of what? Of <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not allowed any more wine ever again. I finished my wine. One whole glass. Listeners, I, you hear that? I finished my wine. Is that 9% alcohol again. content? How many? 9? 9%. Nine? Nine yeah, I nine feel it. Very low. <laughs> you, have, you have no excuse. Exactly. Just no, barely pop. See, all, I, all I, we have to do to advertise this is to say it's Derek with a glass of wine in his hand. And <gasps> we will get so many people listening to this. Seven. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> That'll um, triple what you're getting now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, okay, because only because I can't. you had me wanting me to remind you of something. Yes, because what I was, was it because, <laughs> because I was talking to a friend of mine who's asking me about publishing industry stuff, as if I know. And
Well, I see from the Central Computer's power consumption report that it's nearly time to power down our transmitter and recharge our batteries. We had a wonderful time talking with our fellow survivors today, so thank you to Derek and Kelly for joining us down here in our underground safe haven. And thank you to fellow survivor Chris Kesner for providing Ode to Sunshine, our intro and outro music for this podcast. And of course, thank you to the rest of you survivors out there for joining us for our conversation today. Stay safe, keep your perimeter secure and your breathing mask close by, and we'll look forward to reaching you again with our next broadcast from the Wasteland.